I've just I've just got beer this week. My wife might come back with some parfait for me, but All right, everybody, welcome back to Elder Speak. We're at episode 11. Um, I'm Randy Asenchok, editor-in-chief of ElderGeek.com. With me tonight is Elliot Hagen, our uh, editorial assistant slash media specialist. Say hello, Elliot. Hey, it's Hagen. It's Hagen? Yes. Well, damn me. We've been saying Hagen for a while, man. Oh, I guess I never I think you should. I think you should stick with that pronunciation because then it connects you to ice cream. It does. It does. And everybody loves ice cream. That was Gavin Green. He's actually our news editor. Say hello, Gavin. Yo. And then tonight, as always, we've got Kip Pietrantonio, not from McDonald's this week, but from Burger King. So, hey, say hey to Kip. Home of the Whopper, baby. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's just get started into it. What uh, what are you guys playing this week? What are you uh, what are you geeking out to? Uh, Elliot, you go ahead and start. Uh, I'm playing a new DS RPG called uh, Black Sigil, Blade of the Exiled. And uh, it's kind of like Lufia and Chrono Trigger combined. And so far, it's really, really good. I mean, the storyline's good, the dialogue's good, the characters are good. And the battle system's also pretty interesting. Is it turn-based or what? uh, It's kind of turn-based. Whenever you uh, get into a battle... What happens is you're on the battlefield and you can move around and where you are on the battlefield affects your attacks kind of like in Chrono Trigger. But hmm. when you do finish moving, you can – then you go into turn-based mode. The closest thing you know, to liken it to would be Chrono Trigger, but you can move a bit more. What about, uh, what about the new um, – uh, gosh, what was it? Valkyria Chronicles? Is it anything like that? Um – no, not quite. It's more like Star Ocean. Uh, you know, in Star Ocean, where you have this arena, whenever you get into a battle and you can run around and you attack in real time. Huh. It's like that, but it's not real time. Cool. So it's like a combination the... of Star Ocean yeah. and Chrono Trigger. Cool. Did you guys read the Valkyrie Chronicles because of the price? They, they cut the price of that game. The, the sales went up 400% this year. Get week. out. Yep. Yep. That's, that's awesome. Yeah. Completely ridiculous, like out of nowhere. Those are pretty good games, though. Those were always like pretty good borderline JRPG, you know, slash action games. And and uh, I don't know, I could if, knowing that I'll probably go buy a copy too. It kind of blows my mind though that that many people were on the fringe of buying it. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. that many people, you know, like that's weird. Like, oh yeah, I wasn't gonna pick it up unless it was <laughs> thirty bu- forty bucks or whatever. Like that, that's weird to me. Yeah. Well, what about you, Kip? What are you playing this week? Are you or are you not gaming? Are you are you doing anything fun or geeky? Dude, all I've been doing is gaming. I've been a king <laughs> of gaming. Like, dude, I put I put I put fifteen hours into Symphony of the Night this week. <laughs> wow, shit, fifteen hours, dude. Like that's like I dude, I live in a cabin with absolutely nothing in there except for my PlayStation Three and Dan's Wii. <laughs> Wait, you guys took the you took your systems with you? That's awesome. I thought you were like there, stuck without uh, without any type of media. 
Okay, here's 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 my lack of media. Um, a, a 42 inch big screen TV, <laughs> <laughs> high uh, uh, 1080p. Um, a PlayStation 3, about 200 movies on a hard drive hooked up to my PlayStation 3. About 14 games, all my PS2 games, which are countless, and then every Dan's collection of ds games which is like 50 ds games are P- two psps with like 17 games uh a wii with like every good wii game pretty much so yeah we're not exactly we don't exactly uh you're, you're not rough in it suffer we're not quite rough in it you know? <laughs> I, honestly i thought oh go ahead gavin go ahead i just want to say i want to travel wherever kip goes now i want to make him my permanent <laughs> traveling companion so, yeah I honestly thought that like Kip and and uh, Dan were like stuck in a cabin in the middle of the woods, like carving fertility symbols out of you know sticks and wood and stuff, and like arguing which one you know made the better one. Yeah. Mine's hotter. No, mine's hotter. You guys want to hear something awesome though? We definitely need to talk about this on our podcast, just being in the geek world. So tonight is the last night that we can, you can get antenna TV. Yeah, that's right. And on our like that's the only kind of TV we can have is we have an antenna on our roof of our cabin. And so today, over and over again, on the, the channels we get in, it's like like a countdown, and it's like, your TV will stop working in 12 hours. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, dude, it's like Skynet. Like, they're just giving us, like, the warning. Like, it's all over. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, it, like, comes up in Spanish, and it comes up in, like, a bunch of different languages. It's, like, it's just crazy. It's like, the countdown continues. Like, That's funny. That's funny. So, uh, Gavin, what are you, what are you playing this week? Um, actually, I just got through, um, Gamefly was nice enough to, um, take my God of War copy from the PSP and send me Wanted Weapons of Fate for my PS3. Is that any good? And, yeah, um, I had recommended game. it previously on it. It's a fantastic rental. It's a four-hour game, which is extremely bad for quality, but it's a Pete Wanted game, and he makes the best licensed games of anyone. He was on, uh, the original Reddit team. Um, but I actually did not beat it despite it being four hours because one of my banes of existence as a gamer are the turret stages. I cannot do, I cannot shoot with a turret. Dead Space had one. It took me eight tries and about halfway through Wanted, um, you're playing as Cross, Wesley's father from the, um, uh, sorry for whoever's not known. Yeah, uh, spoiler. Um, but, oh, boohoo. Um, but no, you're, you're escaping from somewhere else and you hit this, um, you hit this turret, and you're supposed to be shooting all these people trying to escape. And I literally, I would die within five seconds of opening up the level. Like, and I did this through 40 times. Literally, I counted 40 times, kept dying. I'm like, yeah, fuck this. It's a great, it's a great game. I mean, it has a really fluid co- uh, cover system, and it's a lot of fun once you get going. But I just can't do turret stages, so that was my experience with Wanted. But uh, probably my big geek experience of this week is um, I found a copy of. Uh, Three Evening with Kevin Smith, one, uh, his most recent Q&A DVD, the director of Clerks and Chasing Amy and Dogma, and he's one of my favorite directors, so I've just been watching a DVD of literally him talking for three hours, and I'm completely enjoying it. Dude, so you need that's... to come out to you need to come out to the uh, to the right coast because uh, we can go to like uh, Jay and Bob's comic book shack. My my uh, wife actually is is not from is not far from Red Bank where he's from. Yeah, time out. It's called the Secret Stash. I'm sorry, they're Secret Stash. I've or one whatever. Before. I've been there. You guys haven't. Yes, I have. I'm hey, there's actually there's actually one in LA. Uh, there's actually one in LA. Oh, really? So, it's, it's not the original. It, it closed down. I'm pretty sure. Nope. It attached itself to a DVD and um, game store. 
So it's okay. a laser laser blaster or something like that. But it's still there, and it's very nice. Huh. But yeah, I but, do uh, love. Does Kevin Smith still have anything to do with it? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Every once in a while, he'll actually go in because it's it's actually his store. Somebody, one of the guys that was actually in Clerks and in um, Mallrats actually works at the store full time. Oh, Walt really? Flanagan. Uh, yeah. yeah, that's right. Walt Flanagan. He's pretty much I'm in actually, everything. <laughs> yeah, I'm a, I'm like a gigantic Kevin Smith fan. I like I listen to I listen I listen to his his Smodcast. They call it Smodcast every single week. It's him and his um him and his producer Scott Mosier. They yep. do a podcast every week. It's like the number one podcast on iTunes. Sometimes some weeks, some weeks it's not. Well, anyway, I I just remember him talking about how they had to close down the L.A. store like a while ago. But you know what's really what's really weird about Kevin Smith is if you've listened to Kevin Smith like like I've listened to him for like the last three years or two years on his podcast, he's like in this state right now of just self-loathing. Yeah, where he, where he's basically just smoking pot every day and like eating junk food like crazy and like it's really weird and he's like all like into himself right now and he's obsessed with hockey right now and so it's a really weird and if you read his book that recently came out it's like it's yeah. kind of like a disaster of his life kind of thing it's really crazy so it's almost depressing but yeah if I can change gears real quickly Randy I've noticed you call it right coast and yeah life, that though. is weird. You're the first person in my life, including people I've seen on the television and internet, to refer to it by direction rather than uh, you've compass ne- map. You've never heard anybody call it the left coast and the right coast before? Never. Really? I have. I have tons of times, Randy. Okay, cool. Oh, shut up. You're not, cra- you're not crazy. <laughs> I might be crazy, but not for calling it right and left coast. You've never, you've never heard anybody like rock bands refer to like right coast rock? No. Nope. Oh really? Never mind. Yeah, like a lot of punk bands, they're like they're like right coast versus left coast rock and stuff. It's I don't know. It's always been west, uh, west and east coast. Well, there you go. I just added to your to your uh, vernacular. I um I thank you. <laughs> You're um, welcome. <laughs> I've um. Hey Randy, what are you playing? Well, Kip, this week I happen to be playing The Sims 3. Um, yeah? Yeah, and it's it's wonderful. A third and one, hey? A third one. <laughs> it comes after two, but before... No, not before anything else. It comes after two. That's it. And and okay. it's good, and go buy it, and um, here we go. We're going to move on from there, because uh, for everybody out there in Internet land, this is actually our third take going through this, because <laughs> Pamela, the recording software, sucks. Um, yeah, moving Pamela. into, I know, darn Pont Pamela and her sexy British voice. Um, moving but right into. We are into, expecting a review from you, yes, Randy, about yes. Season 3, so. Yes, we are going to be getting a full review from me, um, and, and about how I love it and how I want its sim child in me. Um, wow. that was gross. That was disgusting. Uh, <laughs> that was hilarious. That was disgusting. You guys are pigs. It's little diamond above its head is going to be poking its way into your kidney. It would be hilarious. You guys are pigs. That was disgusting. I can't uh, believe you say that. That was disgusting. <laughs> moving, yeah. moving on. Going from such a lowbrow comment to such a highbrow topic. We're going to be discussing whether or not uh, video games should be considered as art and if they are art. Um, let's, uh, let's actually just go around real quick and, and uh, everybody just throw out their yeses and nos and then we, we will battle to the death. Um, yes. Starting from my left with Elliot. Yes, definitely yes. Well, Gavin. it depends on the game. Gavin. Oh, okay. Um, sorry, I can't. Uh, I mean, art is a very subjective term and very, um, very. Uh, there is no pure definition of it. 
But in pretty much every definition I've come across or opinion, I can definitely say yes. Okay. Kip? Uh, for the sake of argument, I'm going to say no. And this is why, because I think the purpose of video games is to sell video games. And I think the purpose of art is an expression or, you know, to make you feel in a certain way, not necessarily profit driven at its core. And that's the way the way games are, you know, sold are in a profit driven. And that's why I think video games are like, is Britney Spears art? Well, I don't know. I think it's more like entertainment, entertainment. Movies. I mean, movies are art, and they're made for profit. If they're not oh, made look for profit, look, you look, can't look, make more. Look, look who! Last week we made the division between film and movies, right? Yeah. So there's obviously bo- art, bo- there's art, are, and then there's entertainment, right? Yeah, well, both are still made for profit. I disagree. I, did, I bet you, if you ask any true artist if they make their stuff just for profit, I bet you they'd slap you. Well, they don't make it just for profit, but I mean, they obviously are trying That's- to, you know, create some sort of you know, sensory uh, influence. And that's what trying I'm, to and that's do what I'm something, saying. But a lot of games try to do that as well. And that's what I'm saying is that the center of it for games is to make profit. The center of art isn't to make profit. And that's what I think separates entertainment from artistry. I'm, I'm going to I'm gonna have you know, to The center of every there. medium, the center of every medium is profit. It's when you go out onto I, the sidelines into, you know, the more independent realm, the stuff that isn't guided purely by profit, then you get the artistic stuff. I'm I'm actually guys, I'm actually gonna agree with Kip on this one. I, I don't see video games as art. I, I see video games as being artistic. I think that a lot of people who work on video games can be considered as artists, but video games as art, I I'm actually going to say no. Um if you reason, the profit structure, it, it, the profit structure actually adds a lot to it. But I, you know, one of the larger things that I'm thinking about is um, art. Art for art's sake, or let, let me just let me back up a little bit. Um, there is obviously a very clear difference between high art and low art. High yes. art being art the that artists enjoy and that the enthusiasts enjoy, and then low art is just kind of a the derogatory term for pop culture. Now, video games definitely exist within the low art. Um, culture. It, video games will never be considered high art. Um, it will never be considered as something that is enjoyed by, um, you know, um, I, I, I don't know, by artists. It, people are not going to look back in time um, and say, my Super Mario Brothers was such a fascinating, you know, experience. Um, well, no, I, got, I mean, I got, that, I got, uh, it really depends I, what kind of artists. I mean, I mean, who is an artist? Now you have to talk about who's an artist. If a video game is admired by other designers and, you know, critics and players and almost everyone, doesn't it become art? I mean, I don't no. care if some No, because or, then it, no. then it's still then it's still considered even low it's it's not just low art, it's a a way sub subsection of low art. You just said critics and players and designers, those are all people within the genre. Those are all people within the culture. Those are not people like on the street that are that can actually pass it on the street and say, Yes, that's that is something that I would consider as art. Da Vinci well, that's because it, it you okay. can't compare that because I mean But that is know, what we're can, comparing it to. No, but because uh, you can look at a painting, but yeah. you can't just look at a video game. There's so much more depth in a video game than you know a painting. Oh my God! Time out. You ask any painter if you can just look at a painting, well, and no, they're going to slap you. You can't just look at you. a painting, but you don't have to spend the same amount of time with a painting 
to declare whether or not it's art. Um, some paintings gonna, you you, yeah, you some would paintings, have to. Yes, I mean it's all you know they're all degrees, but hey, of course. Could a guy that's Mario actually talked to an artist get in a bit here, just a second? Yes. Uh, <clears throat> hang on, I, I happen to be a graphic designer by by profession here, so um, <laughs> and I happen to know plenty of artists, so please go right ahead. <laughs> well, um, I spoke. Um, one of my last interviews at E3 was actually Joseph Olin, the uh, the president, the uh, the sitting president of the Academy of Interactive Arts and Sciences. And one of his main exhibitions was something called Into the Pixel, an um, art exhibition with art based on video games. And one of his major goals within the um, academy is to present and uh, put forth the video game medium into this high culture, into this um, high art realm. And ah, but there. There's but, been. but see, there was the difference that you said right there. Art based on video games. This is not video games being presented into the art culture. I mean, however, when when I, the- I I've, I've actually been recently to um, an exhibit, and I and in this exhibit there were a lot of actually um, there were there were pieces designed by this one artist who actually created uh, pieces by old eighties. Action figures. So it was uh, it was sprayed um, Ninja Turtles and sprayed um, Transformers molded together into a sculpture. Those pieces individually were not considered as art. It was his final sculpture that was art. I I'm sorry, it was a misterm on my part. I I said based where it it actually is art from video games, and albeit it is not the final product that you mentioned. But it's, concept um, art, art. I mean, um, a lot of the concept pre- arts is definitely art. Again, that's yeah. concept art. That's not the video game. But um, that's one of the prefaces into the conversation. We actually talked a lot about the European demo scene, which is these um, Linger in Shadows was the recent one that was released on PlayStation Network. Right. Not exactly a game by the pure standards of the word, but we have these kind of interactive um, mediums of expression that do um, work with controller input and require a lot of the interactivity that most games do. And we have these presented in an artistic setting uh, within the European, in the European culture, um, not next to, but certainly on the same idealistic level as one would go to a museum. These are um, these demo scenes. While I couldn't probably say get a get as much. Um, viewership as a you know a usual uh, museum of modern art or anything, they have a very prestigious and uh, dedicated following, and yeah. these are actual games being played. It's not screenshots. It's not developers talking. I mean, it's actual someone playing and people watching and observing and commenting as would uh, they were looking at a painting. Okay, so, but uh, again, who's who is appreciating this outside of the video gaming audience? Are are no? These are these are the same. These are people that gravitate from the demo scene into the museum circuit as well. Granted, not all of them do, but um, Olin said that there's a huge um, percentage of people that drift in from the museum culture to view the demo scene and remain. Some pass on, some come back, but it's still it's it's become another segment, another facet to the museum circuit in Europe. So it's very much the same. I think unless you've been to Europe and gone to these, where are you getting this stuff from? Joseph Olin, He's president of the Interactive Arts and Sciences uh, Academy okay, of Interactive so he, Arts and Sciences. He, he told you about the people who come in and view it, and he told you when they come back and who comes back. He told me from a general standpoint, yes, and yeah, I'm prob- um, I'm saying what he's saying. So, but yes. again, he's he's also you know the, from the Academy of, or, I'm sorry, what, what is this official t- title again? 
Academy of the Interactive Arts and Sciences. It's kind of like our um, the game version of the Academy of Motion Pictures Arts and Sciences. Okay, so but wouldn't awesome wouldn't committee. wouldn't you say that his point of view would be a little bit more than skewed to to his side of the of the? Well, know. wasn't the main point of your conversation at the point of this is asking the artist what his art was, or asking the artist okay. about this physical art? <laughs> can, I th- can I can I throw in my knowledge of art as well? Sure. Here? <laughs> sure. Yeah. sure. No, absolutely not, Kip. <laughs> okay. Not okay. Um, from a from like a sociological perspective on art, like how what class you're from, what race you're from, what every aspect of your being imp- has an implication of how you would view art. Like, for example, they've done tons of studies where they found. Um, People from lower classes view everything as art. So a postcard is art for a lower class person. Like these are people who are poor, you know, like just middle class and below. A post or not middle class, lower class, working class, whatever. They're, all these people view everything as art. A car is art, you know. A tree, a picture of a tree is art. And the sky is art. Anything can be art. It, once you get into middle class, though, those people don't assume everything's art. Only highbrow things are art. The high art. Only those are considered art. Mm. The upper class people, on the other hand, have a very don't care stance. They're they're very similar to the lower class people in the sense that they're they're nonchalant about it, but they still they in, they ultimately get to decide what is art and what's not. Like the bourgeois of like our, any culture gets to decide what is the popular and what's powerful, and that's just like you know the heads of Viacom get to decide what's cool. They get to decide what goes on MTV, what doesn't. And so I think that's, like, something else to, like, bring in is that, you know, each of us coming from our own perspectives and our own, like, walks of life are going to define art our own individual way. And I, I know, Gavin, you mentioned earlier that it's a very relative term, and I think yes. that's important to remember. But I think there's also something to be said about who's in the scene of art. You know, like, those guys who are making those demo scenes are going to, of course, say that that's art. But people oh, who are more tradi- traditional artists are going to say that's not art. And so, Yeah, but, you know, I mean, if I see someone... If I see someone, you know, expel a bunch of blue paint out of their, you know, bowels onto a canvas, I'm not calling that shit art. Why do you get to make that decree? That from your perspective, for the same reason, for the, for the same reason that they get to make the decree that lingering shadows isn't art. But are you are you an expert in that field? Are you an expert on throwing like paint splatter art? Because I'm, I'm not. Before. Well, you're you're hardly an expert. You're hardly studied up on it. You know what I mean? You haven't gone to school for What's like some people. Study have. about you know splattering paint. There's actually plenty to study about that kind of stuff. Actually, um, yeah. you know, I think the, the, the point, I think well, the, see, just ahead, how Jeff. I'm just how I'm you know comparatively ignorant to the inner workings of splattering paint because I've only done a little bit of it. Uh, for that same reason, all of these hoity-toity artists are completely oblivious to the amount of work <laughs> and artistic <laughs> input that goes into a video game. See, now I think we're mixing up the question of audience here. I mean, yeah, Elliot is coming from I, a position was, of the yeah. observant, whereas Kip and Randy seem to come from the perspective of the creator. So we have a very different um, – we, we have conflicting. But that's, that's where I – like before I, I got kind of – we got jumbled into a, another conversation. That's where I was going is that whether or not you're in that demo scene is going to ha- make a difference in how you define art. And what the Randy is of how – let me, let me let me finish real quick. What Randy was trying to say is that if you, in order for from Randy's definition, from what I understood, was in order for something to be considered art, it has to be viewed as art outside of the people within the within that genre. Yeah, 
Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because okay. otherwise, because otherwise, otherwise, it's too relative. Like we're going to okay, consider because we're all gamers. You know. What about this? Guillermo del Toro, director of Pan's Labyrinth, Hellboy, all that, he called Ico and Shadow of the Colossus works of art. Okay. Is he a gamer? No. He's a filmmaker. Okay, he's but that, does does you know, he realm. does he game for even a pastime though? I don't know, probably not. I I would assume so if he's actually played Ico and Shadow of well, the then, Colossus and Well then anyone who practices the art can't call it art. That's not I've so. No, but, I mean, uh, Randy, we have a problem with games. video games here. We, if Randy, we have a problem. Someone who plays pro- games can't call games art. Then someone who paints can't call a painting art. Well, Elliot, what is an art then? That's what I want you to define for me. What is an art? Because by your definition right now, I could call anything art. I think that art has to be something that is not easily replicated, something that is, I don't know, something that tries to accomplish something more than just make money. That's my definition. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of games try to accomplish something more than just make money. A lot of games try to tell a story. A lot of games try to you know, make the player feel something, much in the same way that a film would. I mean, isn't yeah, there I, art I, I, in, let's hard. say, let, I think, there's um, art in cutscenes, cutscenes in video games. Yeah. Well, it's yeah, essentially, that's, that's film. I mean, it's essentially just, you know, film. You yeah. still have to decide all sorts of things, angles, cinematography, Everything. There's sound design. You know, most of the people who work on video games now are artists. I oh, Elliot, I have, I have uh, no argument with that. I I totally agree that that most of the people that work on video games are artists. I just unfortunately have the opinion that their final product isn't art. I, I think Randy, that I think we have. I think we have a problem within the video game medium that you mentioned that I think is a, I think is an issue here. When Elliot was referring to. Guillermo del Toro, and mentioning that, you know, Ico, Shadow of the Colossus is in, you said, does he play games? And if he's played games, um, you know, he can't really have that uh, that artistic opinion. And I, we have a problem with video games is because interactivity is such, is yeah, so... I think you're right. so pertinent to Gavin, the medium. I think you're absolutely right. I, I think you, you are 100% hitting the nail on the head. I think that's one of the biggest problems with, with video games and why they, they might not ever be considered as art among the mass there's audience. Only, there's only a handful of games that could stand on their own without any interactivity whatsoever and still be you know enjoyable. I would say Flower okay. works on that standard. But um, Actually, I think yes, something I else. Flower, something yeah. else. Something else we got to consider as well, though, is that this isn't dichotomous. I mean, it's not. Right. It's either art or it's not. There's definitely no, a no, spectrum yes, yes. there. There's a spectrum there, and also the individual game I think would fall on different spots within that spectrum. Like, for example, Gears of War is going to be <laughs> on the entertainment side of that spectrum, like yes. as far as away from art, as far away from art as we can get. That would and be I'm low art. I, I, yeah, I would say though, the blood work on that game could be considered a form, <laughs> uh, form of visual art. No, it, that's a tech. That's a technology. Like that's like saying yeah. my car's art. There is, have you? Some have people you do consider. Art? So yeah, I was going to say some people do consider ours to be art. Yeah. Well, I mean, modern art, that's, that uses machinery to the T. It's now, uh, machi- mechanical sculptures. Let me, let me try that, to um, – go ahead. What about digital art? It, it's not just a function, though. It's not just a tool they're creating. It's creating for other purposes. That's like, true. The, who the, says the art – I mean, who says art has to be just viewed? I mean, who says art can't be used? Who said art can't be – have more than one purpose? I think that art with utility is some of the best kind of art. 
I it artists was, say that. <laughs> artists say I, that. That's yeah, the, I mean, can we can we call film uh, film stunt work or film special effects to be art? I mean, uh, like I say, uh, like I, I agree with Elliot. I mean, art with utility can still be art. Okay, so once again, my question goes back to define what's not art to me. Because by your guys' definition, everything's art. To some degree, yes. I maybe disagree not, with you. Maybe I think both Elliot and I are product. coming from the, lo- from the lower class uh, <laughs> sociological perspective on this one. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I was know, born I'm into the bourgeois class, but I've really I gone into the lower you. class. Oh, the proletariat's coming with its hammer. <laughs> no, but, no, no, but really, um, the problem, the problem with that definition is it's unfalsifiable. And once a def, uh, once a, a definition true. is unfalsifiable, it's useless. So. Mm. Well, I mean, this is just an age-old question. Some people consider certain, you know, films or movies to be art, and some people consider. I mean, I would consider, let's say, a Guy Madden movie, uh, the saddest music in the world. I consider it to be one of the most artistic and provocative and innovative films ever made. But most people seeing that would be sick of it in the first five minutes. Most people would say, you know, just what the fuck is happening on screen? I mean, people consider, okay, let's say uh, David, oh, David Lynch, Lynch films. Oh yeah, my god, David, wow. Yeah. Finish, finishing that each other's weird. sentences, that's very yeah. creepy. Eraserhead, great movie. Mulholland Drive, I mean, I, I've watched them dozens of times and I still don't understand them. But you know, to me that's so a lot. Why, of, they, a lot of why are they why are they a great movie then? If you don't even understand it, what's great about it? I don't mean that as an offensive thing. I think lots of people have that exact stance. That like they think like, oh, this this is considered a great movie and if I don't get it then like oh then I you know, I'm I have to keep watching it until I make meaning out of it. But that meaning is no, just what I mean, it no, is. I don't think that a movie has to have meaning. I mean, it's just great in that it creates, you know, a sensory think, stimulus. Think, it creates. I think yeah. art needs to have meaning. I think art needs to have meaning, and a sensory stimulus has. Inter- I don't think it does. Art. I don't think it does, Kip. I mean, um, there have been thousands of artistic uh, abstract movements that are merely yeah. about provoking a spontaneous and unelicited uh, emotional response. Well, I was just saying. What I was just saying is that you guys are saying then that there's abstract art that's just out to shock you, right? No, 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 not shock. Just provide, you know, a spontaneous emotional response. Yeah, okay, I mean, well, the, the Dada well, movement in film was uh, very much uh, about the emotional uh, Okay, any – okay, let's go. Let's go to f- human physiology for a second, everybody. <laughs> Are we gonna t- when, it, when, when I look at something, I get colors that get sent to, through my nodes and rods, and they go into my brain, and then I make meaning out of it. So there's no such thing as an, 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 a stimulus without meaning. That's what exists. Like when I look at something, it goes through my eyes, it goes to my occipital lobe, and then I create meaning out of it, and that's how I make sense of the world. So just to pretend like well, there's, yeah. no such, there's no meaning attached to that is impossible. I mean you're, defi- you're defining a very basic term of meaning here. I mean your meaning – uh, I mean this meaning is basically making um, sensual, sensual sense out of it. I mean um, that's right. very much right. different than right. 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 making sense. Got me. I'm definitely making sense. <laughs> I, I just, I just want to, I want to call a quick timeout and a quick truce here, just, just to say that uh, um, I think it's, I think it's good that we're actually able to have this, this discussion and this argument without actually getting mad at each other. But at the same time, uh, it's still also a, a clear sign that this is a growing medium, and that yeah. uh, you know that we still have to have a discussion as to whether or not it's art. 
Um, I think, Randy, we've reached an impasse here of whether or not it is art and whether yeah. or not how we define art. But um, I think we, I think personally, I want to move the discussion to video. If video games are not art, and they, be. what can, yeah. how can they? What is the progress? Uh, what I think that's a good are, idea. Yeah, can they progress to the uh, to the status of high art? And I think uh, what Kip and Randy want. Or in terms of being defined in high art, I think like what I talked to Randy about earlier is it's not going to happen because there is um, there's a depth of interactivity and min- and mental and what's the word mental participation on the part of video games that is not inherent in any other medium and that and for that reason alone it's, it cannot be considered art without the person playing it and being adept at the actual game meaning you'll never be considered art outside of the gamer status or without our entire culture look changing the way that what we view as art you know yes. unless um, something else I'd, i would think is really important to consider is gaming is unlike music or film in one really significant way and the way that is is that um in movies there's like popular movies you know like the like Spider-Man's and the, you know, Star Wars, the big budget, you know, Hollywood, the Harry Potter's, the Batman, there's all that stuff, right? Yeah. Okay, but then, and, and then there's film, which, like, if you're a film buff, you don't like those movies generally. You like, yeah, you know, like... Spider-Man like, 1 and 2. It, yeah, I, still but, en- I mean, I still enjoy them. I just don't... All right, but let me let me let me as much study. But Kip has a point. Kip has a point. Let him finish. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Just let me get to where I'm going. Okay, I I like to tell little preludes to where I'm going. (laughs) Realized. (laughs) Okay, so we we like okay. Same thing in music. Like, if you're really into music, chances are you don't listen to Britney Spears or Rihanna. You know what I mean? Chances are you listen to like more underground music that's like really technically good, like Mars Volta or you know some kind of more powerful, like from a technical standpoint, music. Correct? Yeah, I would say so. Okay. Well, how come how come hardcore gamers still the games that they play are Halo, Gears of War, God of War? They're the most popular movies. And so what I think first, and I think it's starting to happen. I actually think you're I actually think you're misrepresenting. I think there's I think there very much is a divide between you know, um, small C pop uh, pop entertainment in the video games, as opposed to, um, and I think you know, cult status I, games. Yeah, that's where I was going. Is I think it's starting to emerge. Like mm-hmm. beforehand, everybody played Mario. You know, what I mean, we all play the big budget games. We all bought Infamous. We're all excited to play Infamous. You know, that's the big budget game that's coming out right now. I think it's starting to happen. I think Elliot is actually a great person to talk about this because he plays a lot of the underground games. The game he the, the game he mentioned earlier that he plays on the DS. Like mm-hmm. the general public has not heard of that game, and there's probably going to be a cult following. I think that's starting to emerge amongst I, video I, games. And I it's, think it's, it's got been a, there. I just think it's getting larger. Yeah, yeah, I, I think so too. And it, it's starting to get, it's starting to get there. And I think once that is established, once we get that point established, then we can start making that division between what's a game and what's art. I agree with Kip 100% on this because if you look back, and and I know that we we've clearly made a division between, um, you know, music and and you know, uh, music for uh, art's sake, and then the, uh, movies and film. Um, the movies that are, or the films that are actually being um, labeled as art, like, like if you look back through the history of movies, there there are going to be literally thousands of them that you will never have heard of, but the big ones are going to stick in your head, and they will live forever on, well, almost forever on, as art. Um, Dan, uh, um, Dancing in the Rain, uh, Citizen Kane. Singing in the Rain. Sorry, Singing in the Rain, Citizen Kane. Oh. Um, Godfather. Godfather. 
forever in your memory. <laughs> right. Well, <Yes>. okay. <laughs> well, here's God the thing. Father gone with the wind. We'll okay, but it. here's here's gone the thing. With the wind. Oh my God! What a piece of crap. Okay, guys, I've I've never seen honestly, I've never seen Singing in the Rain. I know of its existence. I know that it is it is something good. I've never seen Gone with the Wind. Never will no. see it. But I know of its existence, and I know that it has a lasting impact on generations to come. We have not gotten to that point yet with gaming. Um, we haven't had that that one those one or two games that are going to stick out for that generation or for all of our generations that in in 75 or 100 years that people are going to remember. You know? Although I would like to point out that we have a lot of posers in the gaming community that have said, oh yeah, I totally played Ico and Shadow of the Colossus, and they never played Ico and Shadow of the Colossus. <laughs> so we do have posers. We have I'm posers, which which is them. kind of important for the whole art industry. <laughs> You're right. Yeah, that's that's posing. Yeah. There's, totally pos- yeah, there's totally posers in the every other industry, too. People who are like, oh yeah, I've seen, I've seen that movie. I've seen all these movies you know, <laughs> who haven't seen them either. I totally listen to all this music, of course. Yeah, we definitely have posers in the gaming, but I yeah. agree that we're not nearly as there, although I would say to Kip well, that there has always been a division. Yeah, I would still say that there has been a division much longer than what I think Kip is trying to say. I think there's been cult games since there's been games. I really do, because even in the old... Even in the olden times, before consoles roamed the earth, um, we had the P- we had the PC in its games, and we also had the floppy di- uh, floppy disk swap parties, the early form of piracy. We had these. Under- I mean, the video game uh, video game medium is very very unique in the fact that it's you know it started very much in the cult status, and in, and we had a reverse where it's it started um, film and music. Very much started in like being poppy, small scene entertainment. Film had the cinema of attractions era where it was literally just, you know, everyone loved films pretty yeah. much from the get go. Whereas games started very much as the stereotype, you know, 30 year old dude in his parents' shag carpeted basement. And it's moved on to become that popular thing. But I would say that there's been that cult separation between, you know, the underplayed artistic games as opposed to the pops game, pop games. Like, I just think that the division like needs Fandango. to be separated. I don't think it's the the division itself. I think it needs uh, the public awareness of the division that is required for the video games to become art. But also, though, the people like okay, like the 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 film geeks watch a certain I, type of movie. They don't hi. <laughs> the film <laughs> geeks watch a certain type of movie. That's the kind of movie they enjoy. The the music buffs listen to a certain kind of music that's you know, but the hardcore gamer, as we define it by our you know our genre, like we decide hardcore gamers are people who play Gears of War, who play Halo, and are like are level whatever eighty seven, you know, like they they master these games over that's and over how again. How I see a hardcore gamer. Oh my God! That is how they're. That's how it's perceived. The uh, people Elliot, are, that is I the think, main definition. That yeah. is the main definition. But I also think that yeah, I'm a film I think buff. Their Elliot's a film buff, and we still watch the stupid entertainment movies. Yeah. We still get entertained by Spider-Man. I don't think there yeah. is like the film buff that is like, oh, I'm you know, I'm certainly there's a. They'll put on the air like I only I only watch films that go into the independent cinemas. But I mean, in you'll private, end up they killing yourself because Roadhouse. most of those films are you know so goddamn depressing. Yeah. Occasionally, I, I need mean, to see you know. Yeah. Two hours of explosions and special effects. I love, yeah, I love West Wing. That's one of my favorite shows. But someday, goddamn, I want to put in a rerun of Family Guy. I mean, yeah, there is no art that, that is just yeah. the, you know, there is no art that, of the that just have presses in them that just watch um, the cool stuff. There is no, there is no art that has of that. Course. I mean, of course that's, of course that's true. But I'm saying where you, where you guys put your critical eye on 
is when you're pl- when you're watching those films. You guys aren't putting your critical eye on during Spider-Man. You're just watching it for oh. brainless entertainment. And that brings me back to my original point that there's a division between art and entertainment. I think you guys- it's about passive and active participation. You see, that's a better definition. I would think. I would go. I mean, if you're just watching something and you know taking it in, then that's passive. You know. And you can just watch movies like Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, and you know all the big blockbusters. And someone who's just watching it passively and someone who's attempting to watch it actively, they're going to get pretty much the same experience because there really isn't that much substance. I mean, not to say that it's bad, but I mean, watching something more artistic, if you're watching it passively, you're not going to get anywhere near as much enjoyment out of it as if you were watching it actively, actually focusing on it and well, trying to study it. Elliot, can I can I latch on to that real quickly? Yeah, yeah. You've made a definition here that I want to see if we can work on here. Can we then define art as a pers- as a relationship between the creator and his audience where the creator where the creator of the art um in- attempts to install or um put forth meaning within the context of his art that would not be that would be recognized by the uh, by those that usually use the critical eye rather than just being um, entertainment. Can we define I'd that say, relationship I'd as art? I'd say yes, because there's some games that you know that I admire and that I examine much more um, than that. That definition. That definition assu- makes a big assumption, and that the assumption that it makes is that. Artists make their art for others, for an audience, and I don't think that's always necessarily true. Yeah, most artists, and I'm not, I'm not trying to. Okay, a good number of artists make art just for themselves to kind of fulfill something within themselves. Um, Yeah, once you're making it for somebody else, I think it starts dancing that boundary with what entertainment is. Right, because when you're you're trying to show somebody something for someone else, I mean, they're making it for themselves, but they're also trying to reach MP. someone else they're trying to you know make someone I don't else think, they, think I don't, about their I don't art. think that's necessarily true it might just be for them i write myself a song on my computer just for me and i never show it to anybody is that not art then but no because your music's terrible that's actually a good point i mean is art art without an audience I mean, does, I think it, it doesn't is. have to be an intended audience. Well, I mean, if a tree if, falls in the woods and no one hears it, I mean, I don't think that's <laughs> okay. The tree, tree still exists. <laughs> but I think art requires an uh, requires. I don't think it requires you know the guy painting the picture to go. Yeah, totally. People are gonna love this. But if no one had ever seen the Mona Lisa or seen um, seen Michelangelo's David or the or the the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. I mean, is that still art? Yes. Yeah, I think there you, needs to be an appreciation of art. Yeah. To mm-hmm. marry it. Yeah. Why? I mean, I Why? think – I mean, because if we can't see it, how do we know that it's art? How do we know I, that I, it even crap. exists? Oh, my God. We're going into philosophy now. Okay. We're, <laughs> this is getting uncomfortable. This is this – this is, I, I knew this conversation would skate down that line. Um, Pretty – I, I think we're going to be going into sensual perception soon. I think we might want to cut this off. <laughs> we already I, went there. <laughs> I, def- I, I defined it. Really deep. <laughs> really I, uh, deep, like comparing Kant and, you know, all the I just, religious I, philosophers of the Enlightenment. Sorry, Randy, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I just wanted to share a real quick, uh, real quick story of, of when I was young artist Randy back in school studying. Oh, art. God. 
it's 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 it is a, I'm having flashbacks here. But um, when I was in school, I was in my uh, I was in my life drawing one of my life drawing classes, and um, the the model that I was drawing was actually from a photograph that I had taken. And uh, my my professor of the day actually had left. Um, he was he was feeling sick, so um, a proxy you know came in to check on our work and and to kind of give us feedback. He was actually um, one of the sculpture um, uh, teachers in in the building. So he came around to everybody in the class and he was kind of looking over everybody's shoulders and he was giving some feedback and everything. But when he came to mine, he said, "That's very nice, but that's not art." And um, what a dick. Oh, well, that's what I told him. I, I, I honestly, I said, fuck you. And it was really inappropriate of me as a student. But again, I was a student and he was a teacher. But, you know, I was the creator and he was the viewer and telling me that it wasn't art. Now, which one of us was right? I mean, yeah, my feelings were hurt. But maybe he was right. Maybe it wasn't art. Maybe it isn't art. Well, I mean, it's all relative. I mean, well, I mean, this this is why these types of conversations about art they just go in circles because it's all relative in the end. Well, so, okay. Um, can I, as a method of closing, do you think we can all go around and actually talk about um, our relationship to art as individuals, so then the audience can get an idea of where each we're coming from? I think that's a good idea. I think it's a good idea. Do you, uh, Gavin? Why don't, why don't you go first? Well, I, I was hoping for more time to think, but okay. Um, <laughs> I was born into a. Uh, I was born into a um, middle, uh, upper middle middle class um, kind of establishment. Um, grew up in a very in a very white bread suburban uh, suburban environment. Um, didn't really have a, re- um, a relationship with outside influence at all until I moved up to um, Santa Rosa, uh, where I got much more into the low of the lower classes. You know, I had friends that were on drugs, and I had friends that were having sex, and, th- and this was when we we're all 14. So that gives you a good idea of my shift in kind of angles. There. And this is when I first started going into and going, uh, you know, studying film, going to theater, and I've, very, I've always very much been into the visual rather than the physical arts. I don't paint. I can't draw. So mine was always, you know, um, watching as a viewer. Um, never got, didn't get into gaming until I, got, I actually got into college. But um, once I started getting into theater and viewing films critically, I started um, branching out, going, um, you know, actually going into the independent cinemas, actually going into the film, um, the lesser run, um, lower uh, uh, film rental locations and picking out those uh picking out those independent foreign films and then when i actually got into uh gaming when i was in college uh, i actually it, it was just spontaneous going both for the uh, for the critically lauded and for the um stupid entertainment at the at the same time so i guess that's good enough i have no idea if i i i got the prompt but yeah that's pretty <laughs> much been my relationship to art through my sorted sorted life uh yeah do you, do you want to go, Kip? Uh, sure. I mean, I'm by I'm by no means like any kind of artist. I never claim to be any kind of artist or cr- or even critic of art. But what I do know is from my sociology background, there's a there's a there's a genre within like there's you know there's engineers and there's mechanical engineers within sociology. There's a genre of sociologists who consider themselves symbolic interactionists. And what a symbolic interactionist does is they actually look at everything as a symbol for something within the culture and so art 
you know, when art is displayed as some way, it's portraying symbols and it's trying to invoke feelings that are, you know, culturally based. And that's going on to the very, like, relative, how we're saying mm-hmm. re- art is very relative. We're saying because it's based on the culture, a culture around it. For example, um, one, one that I studied pretty in-depthly in, in my uh, undergrad was <clears throat> the, Vietnam, uh, the Vietnam Wall. You know, the actual oh, wall with all the yeah. all the things and how different that is as a memorial. Memorials generally are like big statues of people like proudly standing. Yet we have this other we have the Vietnam War, which is not a war that we won by any means. And it's not a war, you know, that we need to celebrate that we celebrated at all. It's a war where we were generally defeated and, you know, we lost. And so, I mean, you know, depending on your definition, but, you know, that's generally, no, we, you know, we lost. It's, it's, we lost. It's, okay, it's not the same as World War II where there was a clear victor. <laughs> and so yeah. the question became, how do we celebrate that from like as like how what piece of art do we use? Because it just seemed wrong to have this like strong statue. And so what actually happened, I think it was like a 17 year old Asian woman. She's Vietnamese. Um, Vietnamese, excuse me. Yeah, I, I couldn't remember if she was. I didn't want to say she was Vietnamese. If she was, yeah. I, thought, I thought she might have been Korean. She actually created this wall, and just like, and it was so different. They they accepted um they accepted ideas from the public, and she created this wall, and we actually it came out as the victor um for the the contest they had, and like people just got so mad. There was like veterans there protesting it when it was going up and saying no 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 this can't happen. And what they actually ended up doing was they had the Vietnam Wall on one side, and then. As a compromise, across from it was a bunch of sol- a bronze statue of a bunch of soldiers all helping each other, and nobody even knows about that because yeah. the wall oh. the wall has shadowed it so much. And so, like that's the perspective I think I'm coming from is like, how, what is art like? How is it represented? And so, I, I guess that would be my background. Oh, and I just wanted to drop in my practical background because I just kind of <laughs> talked about my lame life. Um, I'm actually I'm actually a film critic for several sources, so I'm coming from the film buff perspective. But Kip, that was, I, I, yeah, I never knew about the bronze statue against the wall. It's always been stories about the wall. It's never been there. Actually, is it still there? Yeah, it's still there. Yeah, yeah wow. it's uh, it's three soldiers. Uh, they're helping each other. Some people actually refer to it as the medic memorial, um, because one of the guys is actually a medic. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just it's a really it's a really interesting like like it's a symbol. You know what I mean? It's it's there. The wall. Is some it represents a war that was very different from all other wars, and that's why we needed a, a proper symbol, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, to go with it. And so yeah. it's just like that's the perspective I generally look at the world through. So that's easily one of the more popular. You know, Elliot and I live in the in the DC area, but we we could probably both speak from personal experience. That's one of the more popular uh, memorials that people actually visit when they actually go down to the mall. I mean, of course, people gather around and they check out, uh, you know, the uh, the Washington Memorial, but the ones that they actually seek out. Um, is actually the Vietnam Memorial probably the most? And I can speak from a tourist perspective. The one, um, the it's difference a, it, between, I can speak from the tourist perspective where you know the Washington Monument, uh, the Lincoln Memorial, and the Vietnam War Wall is that between those, the war, uh, the War Wall is the one where people are actually acting as in memorial, in memoriam. They're the one. Um, it's a completely different scenario. I mean, people gape. At how big the Washington Monument is, people gape at the, you know, Lincoln speech. I mean, this is this, but then when they attend the War Memorial, it's very silent. It's very, 
it's very respectful. So it's a very different, it, you know, from a tourist perspective, it's, there's an immediate and recognizable relationship difference. Yeah. And, uh, you know, to, to add in one other point, the, the Korean War Memorial, which is on the opposite side of the mall, is, is very similar in appearance to the Vietnam Memorial, where they have a, a black wall, but they have uh, soldiers' silhouettes on the other side looking back at you. Even that doesn't have the same, it has the same somber tone, but it doesn't get the same respect that the Vietnam Memorial Wall does. But mm. we've gotten a little off base here, didn't we? Yeah, we have. <laughs> what was the original point? <laughs> We're discussing how... tacos and zombies. Yeah, sweet. Zombie tacos. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, uh, yeah, Gears of War. I like chainsaw guys. <laughs> how about you guys? <laughs> <laughs> Elliot, why don't, why don't you give uh, give us uh, your your background? Um, well, I wasn't really born into an upper class family in terms of finance, but my family looks down upon all sorts of things. I mean, uh, like stealing cable? <laughs> no, hey, like that's anything. The American way of life. <laughs> I mean, we have about maybe 2,000 books. Our shelves are just lined with books. We have about 1,000 different movies. I've been watching – I was raised on classic film. I you know, I occasionally saw something popular, but you know, I was born in 1989, and I didn't watch many movies that came out during the 90s. I was watching movies that came out in – the 20s, 30s, all the way up to the 50s. And in college, actually before college, I started uh, studying film, but then I really ramped it up in college, uh, branching out into foreign film. And then I actually started experimenting, you know, making film. And so far that's working out pretty well. So I'd say I would have to come to this conversation as a film buff and a filmmaker. Okay. Cool. Yeah, that's – I mean that's pretty much it. And, you know, it's not like I haven't – it's not like I've been deprived. I mean I think I'm very fortunate. I've seen The Nutcracker performed live every single year of my life. I've seen – I mean I've been in opera houses seeing – all sorts of stuff all over the world. I've been to monuments. I've been to, uh, you know, just museums all over the world. I've been very fortunate in that. I've, you know, I've done an excavation in the south of France, and you know, I dug up a 2,000-year-old uh, piece of pottery, and wow. I don't know. I just, I've had a really wide spectrum of artistic experience almost too much <laughs> i that that 2000 year old piece of pottery man that's just that's that's going a little bit too far i think you got to think you got to reel it back there <laughs> did you did you did you keep it did you put it in your pocket dude yeah, antique roadshow i still have it antique roadshow i still have it are you serious you really do have it yeah wow i have that's a load of photo i have a box with all the uh, interesting stuff yeah proof for a picture it didn't happen man Okay. okay. <laughs> All right, it's on the screen right now. If you're listening to the podcast. All right. All right. Let's go. Let's go. Let's move on to Randy too. All right. I have a feeling our video game listeners are like, "What the hell is what going the hell? on?" Yeah. <laughs> um, I'll I'll just go real quick. I um I grew up and and uh, my my dad was a really talented um, 
he could draw very well. He his 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 drawing talents were really good, and and I seem to have been the only one out of my brothers and sisters that actually got that talent. Um, and so I was able to draw very well too. Um, and I've I've always been a gamer my entire life, and I kind of saw the two of them um, as art as, as being the same thing. But at the time, I used to think that some cartoons were art and that anime was art. Um, and and then I. Um, started to study art more and, and refine my drawing skills and refine even my photoshopping skills. And that's kind of when my, de- my definition of art and entertainment started to drastically separate. So, See, um, that was the moment, that was the moment Randy decided to stop drawing cat ears on people. <laughs> <laughs> you know what, honestly, you know what, honestly though, Kip, it, it was my freshman year in college when I stopped drawing anime characters. Like I'm not saying that that people that draw anime are are not artists and they're not talented or anything like that, but um, that's when that's that is the point in my life when the two started to separate. When um, video games were were my entertainment and art was art, and you know they didn't come together to meet very often, um, and, and I didn't have any problems with that. That's really weird because anime actually was my entry into a lot of uh, you know opening perception of film as art. Uh, it was in my first year of college again um, when I was first starting out my film uh, film company. My friend introduced me to um, Grave of the Fireflies, which is a um, a war film um, about post uh, post World War um, post atomic bomb Japan, and that really opened up my eyes. So I thought it's interesting that both both Randy and I hit anime in different perspectives at the same time and kind of diverted in different ways. Actually, and to, to kind of further hit on that point, every time on, on some forum boards when people say, who's your favorite artist and, and all these people you know, start – because they're video game forum boards, people are listing um, anime artists or, or people that draw anime and my toes just kind of curl and I'm like, <laughs> I, I can't be involved in this conversation. This is not my audience. Um, so cartoons can't be art? Oh no, I do oh, believe God. that cartoons can be art, but that, that I think uh, that only a couple. I mean, I consider Bill Watterson to be art. Yeah, he is a very talented artist. He's also I a very mean, talented water water painter. Uh, yeah, artist, the uh, guy who did Calvin Hobbes. For those who don't know him by oh. name, oh, I mean, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna go for it. I'm gonna say Gargoyles, the television show, art, <laughs> right there. I'm so I did it. I brought it. I got it into the table. I opened the box on the table. <laughs> there. As long as you don't say okay. Garfield's art. Oh, right. for that matter. All right, God, I hate that strip so much. <laughs> One, I'm guys, sorry. Time out. Have you guys have you guys ever have you guys ever looked up um Garfield, Garfield minus Garfield? Garfield? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's hilarious. <laughs> it's so good. So, listeners out there, if you haven't seen that, um, look up Garfield without Garfield. It's hilarious. It's just John self-loathing, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> So it's great stuff. Um, I would also I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say that SWAT cats is art. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's getting SWAT cats. So, Keck, Keck two eight two. I'm cracking up no. right now. I got, I got, I got the reference. I'm just wondering how the art fits into it. I mean, it's very, it's a good show. I love it. They I grew cement, up on it. They, but had, not the they had cement missiles. They had cement missiles. That's art. <laughs> it's kind of like saying Samurai Pizza Cats is art. I mean, outside of the title, I'm not sure, man. Darkwing was, Duck is art. <laughs> I was serious with my gargoyles claim, though. I was fucking oh, serious. God. I'm serious about saying uh, South Park is definitely art. Yeah, I think I think yeah. South Park is a type of. I think it's satire. Yeah, so, I, 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 think I think it's genius. I think it's. I think it's one of the greatest animated shows ever made. Well, that's no. That's not an argument. They've gotten sharper with age, man. Yeah, I mean, it's brutal. So I think that I think that about this finishes it up for our discussion as to whether or not video games 
our art, and uh, we, we have no answer. We have no answer. There's there's Still four of us. One. Yeah, and that's 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 fine. I think we all agree though that it is definitely a growing form. It just needs to go over a few hurdles before before we actually could call it. We, before we can all definitively call it art. Well, but I think it's also it's equal. Um, the, the medium itself has to go through hurdles, and the audience has to go through hurdles. Agreed. It's not just medium. Agreed. How about this? I mean, sometime in the future, what games do you think could possibly be considered art? Right you know, now? Well, not now, but you know, in the future, once the medium has had time to mature a bit more. No, um, Elliot, games that are out now. Are you, are yeah, you saying games what games are, are out now? Are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Fanboy response, Grim Fandango. Fanboy response, Grim Fandango. Yes, Grim oh, Fandango. Uh, I'd say you know just the classics, Okami, Ico, Shadow of the Colossus. I'd say Off. even okay, Chrono you said something? Or Ocarina of Time. Mm. I would say Ocarina of Time is just like an adventure, a really great adventure game. I don't think there's anything especially artistic about it. It's just that I really like it. You know, I mean that would be my bias. Like I'd recognize that, but. I don't know. I mean, like that's just my opinion. So. You guys are gonna you guys are gonna hate me for saying this, but um, the only one that I can think of right now that would probably continue on as as art or somebody might view as art universally, Tetris. Actually, yeah. How? I, I, I can agree with that. I'm 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 having trouble with the conception here. How how is it? What kind of perception are you envisioning for Tetris here, Randy? I think Tetris is actually probably the closest thing that we've got to just standard art, to the standard idea of what uh, paintings are and everything like that. You've got a simple moving blocks, different shapes, different colors, and added to music. You know what I think? And that song's never going to leave my head. <laughs> Which one? Anyway, type A or Type B? Wait, what? What? Well, you know how they usually call the different music on Tetris Type A or Type B. Oh, okay. I don't know. Don't but know I think that. I think Tetris is going to go far. Um, also, because it's a very basic uh, metaphor for humankind's desire to bring or, um, order out of chaos. I mean, that's a big thing. From te- you know, everyone knows that about Tetris. I mean, that's it's a basic uh, psychological perspective put to a, you know a three-dimensional art per, um, art performance. And it's almost universally all. accessible. Yep. Absolutely. Yep. Most addicting, more girls play Tetris than I've ever seen play The Sims, uh, Peggle, Bejeweled combined. Everyone yeah. knows yeah. Tetris. Does anybody so remember that, cool. Blair, that, Be- that Blair Butler Blair quote Butler. about Tetris? It's some, something about um, Commun- a communist regime or something. Yeah, something like um, <laughs> leave it up to the communists to make falling colored blocks of something. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I can't remember. That's really funny. That seems about but, right. Yeah. Um, you know what? You know what? I think it's more likely to happen it, with video games is that um, things like Mario are, are going to be accepted into art. Like Mario has been like turned into graffiti, and he's been put on different things. And as an icon, he has been adopted into a lot of different settings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I just hope none of it's Super Mario Sunshine. If that becomes art, I am leaving the critical world for the rest of time. Here's God, no. Um, but yeah, I, I, iconography definitely. I mean, uh, Lara Croft's breasts are already art in that respect. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> all right. Let's uh, let's close out real quick. Um, let's see. We've got uh, we've got the contest going on right now for to win the the beta key for um, Old Uncharted Two. Just uh, send us a. Um, 
a classic review to us, and and um, and the best classic review wins the beta key to to play Uncharted 2. The due date for the contest is next Wednesday, the 17th. Um, uh, so basically, if you submit a review and we think that it's pretty good, uh, it's going to get most likely put on the site, and the best review will then be um, given the beta key and be put on the site. And it's going to be um, – this is going to be – the best article is going to be voted on by more than one person. So these are these are the opinions that you're trying to win, people on this podcast. So keep that in yeah. mind. But, yeah, um, I received a multiplayer beta key from E3, and I can guarantee it's one of the most active and fast-paced, frenetic, really fun multiplayer um, uh, segments that I've played. So d you definitely want to get your hands on this. And if you mm -hmm. want uh, me to like your piece, I accept payment in form of cash or check. <laughs> um, most most importantly, creativity is going to be the center of it, you know, and, and an elder geek perspective on the game. We don't want to so just hear, like oh, we don't want to just hear about how much you love a game or how much you hate a game. We want to like a, a a sophisticated look, you know, from a person who's played the game many many times, and that we can tell that you've played the game many many times. You know, and that's the kind of review we're looking for with a creative twist on it somehow. So, so do your entire review in binary code. That would be cool. <laughs> so. Okay, cool, man. Um, uh, anybody got Randy, some upcoming, upcoming features or anything? Uh, I will be reviewing uh, Bomberman Ultra. It came out for PSN ex exclusively uh, yesterday, and... You know, I urge everyone to buy it and then come join me and <laughs> enjoy this awesome game. Uh, I'll be reviewing that. I'll be reviewing uh, Fuel and uh, Prototype and that Black Sigil Blade of the Exiled uh, DS game. Um, I believe my Devil Summoner 2 review is still floating around, yet to be put on the site. But I did Sorry about that. So eventually you might see it somewhere, just lurking in the shadows. Um, in addition to that, I'm probably going to be um, maybe getting another review up in between uh, E3, and I'm also going to try and get a feature on um, anthropomorphic um, anthropomorphics in gaming, talking about things like Star Fox and mas uh, you know um, humanoid animal mascots. So that should be fun. So cool. Okay. How about yourself, Randy? Um, Sims 3 review is going to be coming up. I've also got a couple of games at home that I'm I'm uh, trying to put in. They, I've got them from Gamefly, and I'm still waiting to play them. Um, Fantasy Aquarium World for the Wii. And um, holy crap, you got that! Wow. Yeah, I wanted to see exactly. Yeah, all right, here's here's the reason why. I uh, I love aquariums, but uh, my wife hates fish. Like she's kind of afraid of them. So. <laughs> I even have like the Up aquarium love fish. <laughs> <laughs> um, Fantasy Aquarium World and uh, Hasbro Game Night. I'm hoping to, to review those really soon, um, and hopefully sometime soon I'm going to be able to fix my my video editing program to get the Good versus Evil for Infamous up on the site. Cool. Cool. And what about that review of it? Uh, Mots is actually working on that right now. I'm doing his voiceover right now because his microphone apparently stinks. So um, I'm about halfway done with his voiceovers, so we'll be seeing that by the end of the week for sure. And I guess if there's enough interest in the forums, I can probably pop in um, the recently released Trash Panic from PlayStation Network and get a review of that, How is that? if people are interested. And um, played it around. It's actually it it adds something new to Tetris. I thought that was impossible. 
but it hmm. feels like a new t- a new twist on that. And I'm like, this is uh, without being gimmicky. What? Without being gimmicky? No, they're very intricate into the in, into the actual gameplay, and it's uh, it's it requires a bit more than Tetris, but uh, it's a lot of fun. So if people are interested, let me know in the forums, and I can definitely pump out a review of that. Cool, cool. I, I like it. Looks cool. I like that. I like a little. I, I like little intricacies on um little twists on Tetris, like Doctor Mario or Super Puzzle Fighter. I think those are fun. Oh god, I'm addicted so. to that shit. Super oh, Puzzle Fighter. I love Super Tetris Puzzle Fighter. Oh, two hours every day of Super Puzzle Fighter. I am so addicted. It's shameful. I skipped so many classes. There was so many classes of that when I was in college on the original PlayStation. <laughs> so many classes. It's, it's cool. It's cool. It's got online if you go on PSN or Xbox Live. So. The, the online sucks, though. It's so glitchy for me. Really? Uh, for such a simple game, it's glitchy? Wow. Yeah, it's as hell. Anyway. I, was hoping, I was hoping to challenge Kip's girlfriend to it because I think she threw down a gauntlet like during, uh, during oh, a snap. recent article that she wrote down, um, So, which that should be airing this week, too. You don't want to mess with El Nino, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you that. <laughs> She'll puzzle you, dude. She'll puzzle you. <laughs> So, um, you know, I guess, uh, Randy, should I tell him about my, my, little oh yeah, feature I got coming oh up? yeah, definitely. Okay. I have a, I have a new feature coming up. It's already done and it's on its way. It's called Pokemon. I could take <laughs> meaning. <laughs> it, okay. Meaning it could be either I, really were, dirty or really awesome. So yeah. no, it, it's, it's what Pokemon I think I could take in a fight. Oh, in real life. Well, I'm not interested now. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> and so the first one, I'm not going to tell you who the first the first Pokemon I chose is, but uh, basically basically I outlined the battle. We we start with 100 HP each, um, and we uh, I don't have a trainer, but we assume that the uh, Pokemon has a trainer, and we just discuss how the fight would go. So. <laughs> what special abilities do you have, Kip? I can I can't imagine uh, you having anything more than struggle or slash. Wow, <laughs> wow! There's, you you have no elemental abilities, Kip. From what I've seen, how do you know that? Yeah, how he's got know? an awesome beard. I would assume that that's got to grant him <laughs> yeah. some kind of powers. Maybe he has like yeah. a You'll... sociological talk uh, talk that puts him to sleep or something. <laughs> oh, oh. Ooh, there we go. That's mm. an aloe vera for your burn. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, so anyway, basically, basically, it's just a, uh, it's just kind of a joke. It's for fun. You know, we don't endorse cruelty to animals, Pokemon, mythical creatures. You know, anytime. <laughs> hey, <laughs> so. humans. I just ever, I have a real quick question, Kip. Are, like in this article, and I'm, I'm, I don't want to spoil it for anybody, but as you're like, uh, when you get into these fights, are you just like randomly like, are they random encounters like they are in the game? Like as you're entering Walmart, does Bulbasaur suddenly appear? <laughs> oh well. The first, the first fight is a staged fight, um, because I actually just, I, I, I can't go into it. I okay, all right, it. all right. Let's not ruin it. I don't want to ruin it. <laughs> to read it, it's, it's totally a joke. It's, you know, it's just a fun little feature. Um, and I will be taking requests for what Pokemon you'd like to see me fight next. Awesome. So. I love this idea. You <laughs> I, like, I like to think, I like to think Randy because now I will never be able to think of Bulbasaur without the welcome vest from Walmart. So that's <laughs> in my mind forever. Uh, I I don't know any Pokemon names, so I won't be able to uh, request many good fights. Are you kidding me? I can still recite most of the Pokemon. I was I, honestly, guys, I I'm the generation that was just too old for Pokemon, just too old for it. 
You can't there's no such thing as there's there's no such thing. Here, all right, all right. Listen to this. When I when I when I got to college, I was a senior, and and this one freshman guy I was talking to, and and we were talking about just Final Fantasy games or whatever, and he goes, you know, I hate Final Fantasy, and I said, how do you hate it if you've never tried it before? And so he tried it one weekend, and he came back and he goes, oh my god, this is just like Pokemon, but for older people. And I'm like, ah, uh, no, see, Pokemon is Final Fantasy, but for kids. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wow. Kip's like, no, wrong. It's not for no, children. No, I mean, I don't think they're anything alike. I don't understand how you would compare Final Fantasy to Pokemon. Random, like, I think it's just the, random battles. The random like, battles, the leveling. Yeah, leveling. People who don't play RPGs and understand RPGs to the fullest, they classify them based on very skeletal gameplay aspects. Yeah, I mean, like... They just I, don't like, know RPGs. Yeah. yeah I, don't think, I don't think at any point was I trying to capture Sephiroth in a ball. <laughs> like... <laughs> I was. Damn, Sephiroth escaped. <laughs> Use the Master Ball. Yeah. Elliot and I seem to come from the generation that where we can just be shown a picture of it, and I was like, oh, instinctively, I know that's Bulbasaur. Evol- evolves to Ivysaur at level 16. Evolves to, I forget the actual, oh my but gosh. evolves to that at level 32. Venusaur. Attacks are this, attacks are that. And then after we do all that mentally in our head, we, like, facepalm ourselves. Because it will never <laughs> leave. It's like the theme to DuckTales. It will never leave your head for the rest of your life. And God damn it, now that theme's stuck in my head. Ha <laughs> You just lost the game. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, thanks for listening this week, guys. Uh, as, uh, come, what's, do we know what the question of the, of the week is next week so people could you know, give us some, some feedback uh, um, ahead of time? I have no um, idea. I don't know. Jeez, oh, Pete. All right, well, pay attention to the forums. If you listen to this, go right to the forums right now and, and check out to see what uh, what the question of the week for next week is, and uh, and get in some responses for us, and we'll get them we'll get them on the show for you. Um, as always, it's uh, Kip, Gavin, Elliot, and myself, Randy Asenchak, for Elderspeak.com or Eldergeek.com. Eldergeek. Well done, Randy. Well done. Yeah, thanks, guys. Right. Good night. Bye bye. Later. <laughs> Star Wars still sucks. <laughs> oh, coming from... Yeah, sorry. The special effects weren't bourgeois enough for this guy. <laughs> <laughs>